You are listening to All Students Considered, a Steely Podcast. Are you a student? This one's for you. Do you want to consider students? This one's also for you. All right, guys, we're going to discuss the reading that I assigned last class. I expect you guys to all have done it, and I'm really excited to hear your thoughts. Anybody? Anthony? Um, sorry, Professor. I don't have anything to say about the readings. Man, why is it so hard to hold a group discussion with the students of William and Mary? If only there was a podcast that could help. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Welcome to All Students Considered. I'm Claire Hogan. And I'm Jacob Hall. So let's talk about the name of this podcast. What do we mean by All Students Considered? So the idea is that this podcast uh, will have different episodes about a lot of different aspects of student life, uh, particularly here on the William & Mary campus. We're going to investigate different uh, things that happen within the classroom and different ways that students approach their academic lives and uh, hopefully draw out some really interesting discussions. We're trying to get feedback from students for professors so you understand the people that you're teaching. We're hoping to bring on some really fun interview guests along the way, so it should be a really good time. Today's episode is about group discussions. Yeah, that's right. We're going to have a group discussion about group discussions. Very meta. So we're bringing in some of the student partners here at the Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation to uh, tell us more about what they think about group discussions in their classes. Hi, guys. I'm Sam. Hey, I'm Jada. Hey, I'm Katie. Jacob here. And I'm Claire, and we're all student partners here at the Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation. It's almost like we're in the place where student (laughs) partners go. Oh my gosh, that's it. Crazy. (laughs) Today we are uh, starting off our podcast talking about group discussions in the classroom and our experiences as students here at William & Mary. It's a group discussion, group discussion. Don't touch that dial. (laughs) (laughs) What are our feelings about group discussions? Overall negative. No. Yeah, ne- negative. <laughs> really? Too. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Like, I, can I you tell me more about that? I think it can be very positive. If everybody, if it's like a safe and welcoming environment, if everybody is very invested, um, it can be a very positive thing. You get to hear uh, thoughts from your peers. You guys to kind of solidify your own thoughts by explaining it to other people. But I feel like the way that group discussions tend to happen is always very awkward, very stilted. People don't feel included. It's it's a strange format that we're working with. Mm. And so I feel like we just get lost uh, there and we don't get to that positive outcome that we want. So what I'm hearing is good in theory, bad in practice. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would say. There's, there's always that awkward long pause right after the teacher asks for like any, in, any input. Um, and I'm usually one of the ones who doesn't raise their hand. Uh, I am more of a listener than I am a talker, which is kind of shocking, uh, since you guys know me personally <laughs> now. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's always that awkward silence, and it just makes things very weird. Yeah. Not a good vibe in the classroom. Do you like the... So you don't like the expectation of, like, having to participate in a group discussion. You want to like listen to the professor lecture and that yeah, sort of so it. a lot of my classes are very reading heavy okay so it helps me more to kind of like listen to everyone's like thoughts and see their different perspectives than it does for me to toss out like my half-baked idea about what i might have read 
I think when they're done well, I love group discussions. I feel like they really help me process the information and also just they kind of reassure... I feel like they can reassure you that your thoughts and your reactions to what you read or learned, they're they're valid. I'm always kind of like, am I taking away the right things? But then yeah. when you get to talk about it in a group, there's a sense of like, well, I'm not going to have the exact same takeaways from everybody, but I can hear what they think and maybe they'll find my stuff valuable too. Um, and so I think that can be really fun about them. And also it can just be interesting to hear perspectives you don't know. It can be interesting to just really sort of get to process it. Like saying it out loud is a very different beast than taking notes or just reading it. Mm. Mm. Uh What would get you to participate in a group discussion? Like when do you tend to participate in class discussions, if at all? In one of my classes uh, right now, we break into small groups. I enjoy like the small group back and forth aspect more than I like the whole like class talking back and forth to the teacher. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I feel like anytime you can kind of break the ice a little bit, whether it's with small groups, whether it's with partners, it allows people to feel like they're less on the spot in front of the whole class. And it also kind of lets you solidify your ideas a little bit. Yeah, I know, I know Jada, were you the one who had mentioned like a professor letting you write down ideas beforehand? Yeah, my professor um, in Art and the Politics of Memory, my call 150, she would make us post on Blackboard like a little two paragraph summary of like what we read and like maybe what we took away from it. And then the next day in class, we would talk about it. But there was also still that little like right after like right every single week there would be two people in the class that had to like lead the discussion mm-hmm. and right after they would ask their questions there would be like still a lull of like okay who's going to talk first mm. but i feel like in that class in particular it's kind of a different kind of feel because it's like art in the politics of memory we're talking about monuments and memorials and it's kind of like a heavy topic and mm. kind of really controversial so it's almost like okay who's going to say the wrong thing who's going to get canceled who's going to say something kind of dumb like it's mm. kind of that feel but it's also kind of really exciting for me because it's like drama and I'm like <laughs> loving it. <laughs> have you have you seen that done well where there are serious topics taken you know into a serious discussion but everybody feels like they can share their ideas no no she's shaking her head <laughs> <laughs> mostly because I feel like now in this kind of culture it's like if you say the wrong thing you're finished mm. yeah that's an interesting feeling to have in a classroom that like, you know, even if you have a half-baked idea and you're sort of trying to develop it, if it is received in the wrong way, maybe that could be, that could have long-term consequences for you. Is that sort of what you're trying to say? Maybe not long-term, but it definitely gives the vibe like, oh, that person does not know what they're talking about. That person like please don't let them speak that kind of vibe. Mm. Interesting. And you meant, you mentioned blackboard discussion posts. I'm sure we all have some opinions on blackboard discussions. Uh, Jacob, what's your opinion on blackboard discussions? <laughs> <my> opinion on <laughs> um, I think that they are awesome in theory. Like it's such a cool <laughs> idea to have everyone log in and like share their ideas before class. And then we're all going to show up and we're all going to know what we think I don't know. It doesn't feel like it works very well in the end because for one, I'm a, I have ADHD. I procrastinate a lot. I personally can't really guarantee that I'm going to go onto the Blackboard site at like 
a reasonable time the day before and, you know, fill out this thoughtful, you know, feedback form about the reading. Oh, yeah, I'm the same way. And then respond. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and I think it's a cool idea. Like, for some people, that might work really well for them is what I'm trying to say, right? Like, there might be specific students who are like, yes, this is what I want to feel like I've already had a discussion before I come to class. But I think that Blackboard, for one, is just a very difficult website to to navigate yeah i i'm i'm on this very i've been like really mad about blackboard over the last couple months and i think that email could entirely replace blackboard i've been using blackboard for about 10 years now and i entirely agree yeah Yeah. coming to william and mary was the first time i've had to use blackboard at my old school we Mm -hmm. used canvas which is better yes absolutely is in every single way and blackboard (laughs) i'm like already done with it like don't y'all have money for this the stranglehold that blackboard has on virginia public schools is truly it's amazing yeah yeah jmu had canvas it was great oh anyways (laughs) um so yeah i guess what i'm trying to say is that blackboard discussions in my opinion don't really end up working very well i'm also just i like in-person discussions like i hear you guys say well i don't really necessarily want to speak up in a class for me i'm the absolute opposite like if it feels appropriate if it feels like i can i really want to ask questions Mm -hmm. and like Mm. bring some sort of weird perspective to talk about um and usually i'm trying to dial that back as much as i can just to not be like that guy in class who's like doing that (laughs) but i think it works well i don't know but you know i am sometimes aware when i'm in a class that it's me and that one other student and we are asking 95 percent of the questions right and like it kind of feels like i'm getting a lot out of the class but sometimes i wonder like what does that Sam Vito sitting next to me really think about <laughs> this? You know, like, would he rather the le- the professor do most of this lecturing or is it okay with them that most of these questions are getting asked by myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm the exact same way. I'm the person, like, if there is a lull, I'll be the first to speak and then I'll be like, me okay, too. I had my turn. What else <laughs> y'all got to say? Yeah, what do exactly. y'all have to say? Yeah, but then yeah. I'll just keep on talking because I'm, like, excited about the topic and I'm, like, trying to like voice my opinions and it's like if it's something that's like really interesting to me I'll definitely talk about it and if it's something that's like not really interesting I'll try to curtail to to something Mm -hmm. that I am interested in and try to change the whole topic but like yeah I absolutely agree I'm like the one person that like tries to like kind of overtake but not really the discussion especially if I feel like there are other people who like don't really want to speak and like are uncomfortable I'm like okay let me just keep on talking so like these other people won't have to since they clearly don't want to. So yeah. I almost yeah. feel like I feel like it can be an option. Like either show up to class and discuss or like post something on Blackboard if you're not comfortable with that. I yeah. feel like this this segue is kind of nicely into one of the other things that we wanted to discuss, which was like grading criteria for discussions. Mm. How should discussions be graded? What if you are one of those people who doesn't want to participate in a group discussion? Maybe you don't get that much out of it. Should that negatively impact your grade? I feel like one example that I've seen is professors have this tendency to have a like one person, every person has to speak at least once during class rule. Mm, which, I hate that rule. Yes. I, <laughs> no, I, I would love to, to hear y'all's thoughts on it because for me, I don't like it. It makes it feel very stilted. All that I'm thinking about is what I'm going to say, which means that I'm not really getting a lot out of the discussion because I just want that one point in my grade, right? I'm just thinking, repeating over and over in my head what I'm going to say. But I would love to hear your thoughts on, on kind of grading and, and that policy. 
I feel like that kind of policy isn't very effective, like, at all for the main goal. Like, if your main goal is to get people excited and, like, really interested and deep into the topic and the source of what the class is about, then, like, that kind of grading is like, okay, let me just be like, yeah, I definitely agree with you and add one <laughs> sentence <laughs> right. and then that's it. Exactly. Like, that's all you have to do and it just becomes sort of, like, obligatory and it just takes the fun out of everything. Mm. Yeah. It, fe it feels so forced and then you have people just repeating the same things over and over again just with different phrasing yes. so no one knows that it, they're repeating it. Right. But I mean, I'd rather be graded on the substance of what I say and like if it's a good question or if I add like valuable insight to a conversation rather than just the raise hand, say, I agree, that's my participation mm. points and go on with your day. Right, right. I have very strong opinions about grading. So <laughs> 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 throw it, that out there. Go off, I think that like the objective of the class needs to be embodied in the grade scheme. So I've never taken a debate class. I did take a communication class, which is sort of like a debate class, I guess. It, it felt like a debate class, exactly. <laughs> um, where it really made sense for us to be graded on that sort of did you participate in class discussion? Because it was literally a communication class. Like the purpose of the class was to get us to speak in better terms with each other like to learn about what it means to talk to other people in a debate class maybe you're talking you know like it makes sense to me in some situations to grade based on if someone participated or how well someone participated in a group discussion that all being said I think the majority of my classes are not like that <laughs> and I don't think that that makes any sense for the objective of a like, I don't know, science class, a, um, right. like a history class. I just don't think that the objective of those classes is actually to get students to speak to each other. Mm. Like, I don't think that's the primary objective. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's acceptable to have that expectation of those students because those students are probably trying to learn the material and they might have different methods of doing so, right? Like one student really enjoys reading not just the assigned material, but also other related works and really just enjoys that. Why would I expect that student to come into class and have to participate in every mm. discussion if they don't want to? Like yeah. that just doesn't feel, that's, that feels like an expectation that just puts more stress on a student who's already learning in the way that they prefer to learn. I 100% agree. Like I just said, like I... I'm excited to discuss in like my discussion-based class, but I'm also in um, a calculus class, a math class, and right. twice now my teacher has been like, okay, get in groups, see how to solve the problem, and I'm like, why would you do that to me? Yeah, you like, know, is I don't that helpful? These people. <laughs> right, right, right. I think what I'm hearing from both of you is, is kind of for professors to consider what the purpose of the group discussion is. Like, yeah. what are you trying to get out of it? And then tailor the type of group discussion to that purpose. Yeah. I think a lot of times professors will just throw in a group discussion element. I'm not super sure why. Maybe it's just, you know, a <laughs> pedagogical thing that they're told to do, but it's pretty clear that there's no real, you know, goal, purpose. I would really encourage professors to 
think about that goal. So if the goal is to make sure that students are sharing their ideas with one another, maybe uh, several smaller groups would be a much better way to facilitate that discussion. So there's less pressure on them from the professor. There's less pressure from the entire group sharing out your ideas. You know, maybe if it is just to get people to participate in class actively to think about those ideas, maybe something like an essay would be better. So people have time to think over their responses to the readings, their responses to the class material. Mm -hmm. Really thinking about those different approaches to tailor to the the goal that you have for the class. Yeah, I, I also, one thing that I think is important to note is the professor response to student discussions. Have you ever had a professor where you say something and the professor immediately goes, mm, no, that's wrong, or that's not what I was thinking of, but okay. Yep. <laughs> it just it just doesn't want to make you participate anymore. It doesn't want to make you speak up in class at all. Yeah. But then there are really positive examples of professors. Like I, for instance, I'm in an English class this semester for the first time ever. I'm a little bit out of my depth in that English class. But the professor makes it a point to anytime she's bringing up something from the book that we're reading, we're reading Dracula, excellent book. Um, she'll bring up a passage and she will introduce it as, what do you think the author is trying to do here? And typically, I would think in a class like that, she has maybe a very strong idea of, of what she means, what she wants, but then she'll say, I don't know, what do you think? <laughs> like, she legitimately is, is wanting our feedback and that. I feel like that really facilitates wonderful discussion because she's very open about, I don't know what he means, like, let's talk about it. And it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah, I think not having a set goal going into discussion, leaving it open for going wherever the students or the the discussion takes you. I mean, yeah. there's there's a organic element to that that just feels right and that doesn't have that awkward silence. Yeah. And I think that uh, instructor that is very good at facilitating a discussion will bring student discussion back into the literature or whatever you're talking about naturally. So when a student brings up a point, they'll say, oh, that's interesting. This author that we are discussing right now mm you know, maybe held a different opinion or something like that. I think that instructors that do truly understand what they are teaching about have a much easier time actually making the discussion work well for their classes. And it really is a skill that you need to develop as a teacher is to make those connections in a way that is valuable to the students. You are listening to All Students Considered. Don't miss a moment. This is All Students Considered. <laughs> hey guys, I'm Katie Shinas and I am interviewing Professor Amy Quark from the Sociology Department. Professor Quark, I've had the privilege of taking two of your classes in the past and both of them have been really based in group discussion. So clearly that's very important to at least some classes you teach. So just to start really simple, what would you say is the importance of a gr good group discussion and learning? Like why not just stand up and lecture for a couple hours? Besides the fact that I'm too boring for that, um, you couldn't bear to listen to me for that long. Uh, but I think that group discussion is really important because we know that the more students are involved in their learning, the more they're going to learn, the more they're going to get out of it. And so group discussions are important for students doing the work of critical analysis in class. That's what we're trying to teach you. In sociology, we're trying to teach you to critically analyze the world around you. And we want you to be practicing that skill and engaging that in that skill during class. And I think group discussion is a way to develop those skills. What have 
challenges have you come across in fostering those group discussions in all your years? So of course, um, it's easier for students not to participate <laughs> and sit quietly in the back. Um, and, and some students are, are you know, more introverted and it's hard to, to talk in class. Um, but I think that you know, engaging in group discussion is important because that's also a skill we want students to develop. You're developing your critical analysis because you're working out your ideas in class and you're also learning to speak in a group. And I think that, you know, one of the main ways that professors have traditionally encouraged group discussion is by giving you a participation grade. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we're going to reward you if you participate and we're going to surveil you to see if you did or not. Mm -hmm. um, and that works to an extent, um, but it's, it's, I don't think it's the best way to encourage participation. Another important strategy that that we use is to d try to develop community in a class. I think that the more that um, we know each other and develop a rapport in the classroom, the more comfortable people feel contributing and taking risks. Um, when you're developing those skills of critical analysis, sometimes we get it wrong or we, we don't quite get it. And so, we ha so I think developing a community in the classroom um, can also be really useful for allowing people to feel, you know, to be vulnerable and to, to try their hand at it. Um, of course, that's easier said than done. In a class of 12 or 15 students, if you're in a small seminar, absolutely, you can develop that rapport pretty well. Um, but when you start trying to scale that up, so the both of the classes you took, well, I guess at least one of the classes you took with me is 40 students. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's not impossible to develop a kind of community feeling and relationships in the class that big, but it's, it's more challenging. Um, and so I think that there are some other strategies we have to try to develop to make that work and be effective. Have you ever noticed anything you can do when you're assigning readings or in how you respond to students that helps facilitate group discussions or make them more comfortable and confident? Yeah, so I think that's a tricky line that, that professors have to tread where we want to encourage people to participate and we don't want to tell them, if you ask a question, you want to tell a student that you're wrong, right? Because mm -hmm. that discourages people from participating. <laughs> and so... How do we, and on the other hand, we want we need to we want to direct you towards kind of the uh, a deeper understanding, which means sometimes having to kind of point out where students go wrong. So I think that part of a good classroom discussion is is working towards um, building on each other's um, contributions. Um, one of the things that I do a lot in my theory course, for example, you'll remember, we'll take a piece of the text and we're reading, you know, original, um, the original works of, of scholars in the classical canon that were writing in the 1800s and some of the t um, text is very dense and difficult to understand. So we'll take a piece of it. And, and we'll try to pull it apart and unpack it. What does it, what does it say? What is, what is this author trying to tell us? And, um, and often, students' first guesses, her first um, uh, efforts to do that critical analysis isn't, isn't maybe quite right or, or doesn't get all of the meaning. Um, and so trying to kind of see ourselves as a team, see a, we're working together cooperatively. Um, so I think that and trying to establish the rules of, or not the rules, but the the feeling of a group discussion in that way. You pull apart the first piece and you've got a, a piece of it, but who's going to build on that until we, get, um, until we see the, the whole insight here? 
Yeah, and I noticed uh, in both your classes that you have a couple strategies for that. One of the ones that I thought was really cool in the first class I took with you, Sociological Theory, was the Theory Forum, where we all, as a team, represented one sociologist, and then we had to discuss with other people. So how did you kind of come up with that exercise, and how is, has that improved things for you? How has that kind of affected your teaching? Well, that I have to give complete credit to my colleague, um, Professor Kay Jenkins. And she developed the theory forum exercise um, with one of her colleagues from another university. Um, and um, and it is a, I use that every year um, in the in the sociological theory course, which is a course she developed it to um, uh, to kind of address. Though I've also used it in other courses as well. And it, I think, is just this amazing innovation. And I can tell you how amazing it is because it wasn't my idea. <laughs> um, uh, where you, where you take, you're, you're asking students to take responsibility and leadership in, in the material and in discussions. And I think this is the, this is the key to, to kind of scaling up like small classes to big classes and making discussion work is giving students leadership and responsibility and accountability in these discussions. And so the theory forum tries to do just that. You say, we studied all these theorists over the course of the semester and we know they were all talking about some similar issues and they are similar in some ways and different in other ways and how do we draw that out and how do we step back at the end of the semester and, and, and see the whole picture. And so the theory forum, um, you know, indeed, assigns students to different theorists. Someone's going to represent Foucault, and someone's going to be Fanon, and someone's going to be Durkheim, and 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 gives students the responsibility to say, "You're in charge of that theorist. You're in charge of our understanding of this piece of the material." And so it gives them that responsibility. And it gives them the leadership. And um, in that case, students actually kind of take on, you know, you're, t you're kind of going to become that theorist in the discussion, and which I think students find fun <laughs> and really get into. And Katie's got, you know, a, a flair for drama. And Me? so she's still, she's still well known of like, remember that year, Katie. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, oh, yeah, people were just talking about you the other day. Um, so the... So I think that it, 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 it lets students feel like they are, their contributions are important. It's not just to get a grade, but it's central to this class's learning. Professor Cork, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. I've loved taking your classes, and so it was really awesome to get to chat with you today. Uh, thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me. This was fun. Get ready for Sam versus Claire! Go! So when we were discussing what our episode topics would be, uh, we quickly landed on group discussions as one of the topics we'd like to delve into for an entire episode. And it felt like a good one to start out with because we all had a lot of feelings to share, as I'm sure you've noticed so far. We had a lot of things to talk about when it comes to our own experiences and how we approach group discussions individually. And when we were all sitting at this table talking about what this episode would look like, it quickly came to pass that Sam and Claire generally approach group discussions very differently from each other and maybe approach cl class work and uh, academic life in general much different from each other. Thank you, Jacob. That was a much nicer intro than I would have given it, I think. Likewise. I, th I think I would have... <laughs> I think I would title it 
High strung versus slacker. <laughs> That's hard. That's <laughs> slacker. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I totally agree with that one. It's more of um, relaxed. Yeah. No, I envy. Go you. with the flow. I envy you in your relaxed state, honestly. Please, go ahead. I know you're prepared for this, oh, like goodness. most classes. Okay. Well, where I'm not. <laughs> okay. Well, easy question. Are you the type of person who will speak up in group discussions? Uh, no. Whereas I, <laughs> Sam, Sam and I are opposites in all things. And like this, I am always the person where if there are crickets, I feel a pressure and I will, I have to speak up and I feel bad. You see, I also feel that pressure, but then I just sit there and don't do anything. You just ignore it. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is interesting though, because are there classes where you do tend to speak up more? Yes. And there, there are. are, there are also classes where I will not speak up at all. What do you think the difference is for you? how comfortable I am with the professor. Mm, so it's that like professor relationship. Mm -hmm. Huh. Um, and I also just like, if it's a bigger class, I'm not going to raise my hand. Yeah. And that's just not going to happen. Cause you, you'll know the people like me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause, cause I know you'll carry the conversation. I can just listen. And then if I need to participate later on, you know, I have a, I have a few points to go off of. Yeah. I, I think the personal relationship with the professor is definitely a big part of it. I have also, I feel like that's a factor for me too. If the professor is, you know, very clearly looking for a very specific answer, I will not speak up because mm -hmm. I feel stressed about it. Um, but whereas if it's just a sort of more free range discussion, I definitely will speak up more. Have you had like a professor where that they've done something really good that that's, you know, made you want to speak up in class? I mean, there's always certain conversations that I'll get dragged into. Um, <laughs> Kicking and screaming. Dragged yeah. Into the conversation. Do I really want to be here? Sense. Maybe not, but I'm here. <laughs> um, no, like. There's definitely some instances where I do participate a little bit more than I usually do. Um, few and far between, yes, but they, they happen. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, though. For, no worries. No. There are definitely moments where, like, I feel like I have not getting, gotten enough done today, mm. right? And it's yeah. like, there are some expectations I that, that I feel like I'm... I've, yeah? never, I've never not been in that moment. There you go. That's Same, right. But, you know... And I feel I'm like comfortable with improvising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So Sam, I imagine that you probably have moments where you don't feel prepared for something and mm -hmm. you have to reckon with that. Yep. And it sounds like something that you're willing to take on that's okay with you and that's maybe how you succeed, right? Is being able to come into a situation not having read every reading mm -hmm. or whatever but still able to participate to the best of your ability yeah i, I think improvisation is a big part of that and you know big word hard to say <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah claire hit us with the takeaways Sure. So if you're a professor looking for better group discussions, here's five things you can do to facilitate discussion within your classes. Number one, think about your goal for the discussion and the size of your class. That should dictate the format for the discussion. If you want students to share with each other, consider small groups. That way, students can share without as much pressure. You can do whole class discussions, but they tend to work better with smaller classes. There's nothing worse than a group discussion with too many people. Number two, pick engaging readings. It sounds obvious, but if the reading isn't interesting, students won't have much to say. Save your group discussions for days with particularly evocative readings. Particularly evocative readings. Nice work. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 
Number three, pick good questions. Not all questions will foster good discussion. If it seems to be fizzling out, try a new one and don't get discouraged. Maybe even post discussions ahead of, nope, maybe even post questions ahead of time so students will know what they'll be discussing and they can prep their responses in advance. Number four, match the energy of the discussion. When the professor keeps it high energy and positive, the discussion will always be better. And be sure to acknowledge and appreciate student responses. That way, they'll be more likely to respond in the future. And finally, set parameters and boundaries for discussions, especially on sensitive topics. Make it clear if discussions stay within the class so students feel safe sharing their own personal experiences. Thanks for joining us at All Students Considered.